Sunday night crowd, we get a Bible out, and if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, that'd be good. And um, you might want to take notes on this. This is, uh, I think we have uh, worship guides in your hand, that's great. How do I want to start this? Um, I have been, um, just transparent moment, I've been brewing and stewing a little bit on this for about three months, probably two or three months. Uh, this is a little bit born out of frustration and maybe some righteous indignation. Um, discouragement, anger, both sides. And some of this is just based on the fact that, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, more and more people that are, uh, you know, the term battle fatigue. You ever heard that term, battle fatigue? And so, um, do you ever feel like you're fighting a, a battle and it's getting worse, not better? Anybody out there know what I'm talking about sometimes? And are you feeling like maybe sometimes once in a while the devil's getting the best of you or somebody that you love? And, and as a result, you feel limited, you feel hindered, you, you, you feel, you know, kind of beaten down, maybe a little unproductive or less productive. And it's almost like sometimes there's just this invisible force that's just like, I call it the anaconda squeeze. It's just like, mm, it's just squeezing the life out of you and... And you don't know how to stop it, and it feels like it's, it's, it's suffocating your, your dream. It's suffocating your passion. It's suffocating your marriage. It's suffocating your money. It's suffocating your walk with God. That's what I'm, is anybody, is anybody like got the context for the message, you know, a little bit? So I think this is highly relevant. And, and the Bible expresses and states in Ephesians 6, 12, a scripture that many of us have heard many, many times, but sometimes we don't. Not the application of it or see how relevant it is, but it says in the New Living, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And I think I can say this at SNL and everybody be able to handle this. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against, you can talk back at me once in a while, this is a good service for that. Against mighty powers in the dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. So we can see from this text that the battle is very real, our enemy is very real, and we need to be really aware of this. And the devil would much rather we ignore him and uh, pretend maybe he doesn't even exist. That would be like his big win. You know, and the devil, you know, he's the devil, it's not, come on, it's not the devil. It's just, you know, it's just circumstances. It's just this, it's just that. And, and as a result, um, he, you know, he can get us to just talk about more of the positive side of things in life, and that's it. But the truth is, people are under attack, spiritual attack, more than any other time in my entire life. Yes. Ministry, experience as a Christ follower, ever. No question about it. Can't lie about it, can't make stuff up. I can't make up some of the stuff that happens sometimes to people. I couldn't even conjure some of the stories, you know? You see the front row. You see the, the front line sometimes in church. But behind the scenes, people are getting, boom, pummeled and hit hard. And, you know, and that's where the trench work happens in the church. And that's what I want to help you with tonight. Because marriage and families and individuals are in crisis, a lot of them. And you can't win a battle or a war if you can't discern or see the real enemy. And you can't see what the enemy is really up to and how to fight the real enemy the right way. Can I have an amen out there? So I, I want to talk to you today, and I, and, and, I, and I believe that what you'll get out of this tonight, I, I pray in Jesus' name, that you'll, you'll see that you have the power to outlast and outwit and outperform your enemy, the adversary of your life. You do. You've been given that through Christ. And yet we have to know the warning signs of somebody who is under attack in order to be able to, uh, to win in the attacks in the battles that come against us. And so if you think about the different warning signs and different other aspects of the natural world, for example, I can remember, <clears throat> you know, many, many years ago, my father, I believe he was 29 years old, and he started having symptoms of a heart attack. Ultimately, he did have a heart attack. My father had a heart attack at 29, his father had a heart attack at 39, his father had a heart attack at 49, and when I was 19 on my birthday, I was sweating bullets. <laughs> I need deliverance, because he had a generational curse. But what preceded these heart attacks were certain signs or symptoms that a heart attack was coming that most people ignore in the natural, and we do the same thing in the spiritual. 
There are, there, we, in other words, there are things that we, indicators that we can get in our life where we can evaluate. We can, before we proceed or prescribe something to a problem, we have to see what these signs, these symptoms, these warning signs are in our life, just like we would do that in the physical realm. We do that with our cars, or ladies and gentlemen, we should do that with our cars. In other words, you have a dashboard that is telling you certain things on that instrument panel that will help you uh, avoid a blowout of your tire because it's saying low pressure. It'll help you avoid your car overheating because it says the temperature is too high. It'll help you avoid your engine seizing up because you need oil. Several people want to get up and walk out of the room right now and just check their cars. They're just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Speaking of heart attacks. Tonight, I want to give you some critical information that will help you detect and see the warning signs of a spiritual attack in your life because, again, warning signs are so huge. Some of you, when I go through this, this, this process, you're going to be able to recognize or see maybe yourself in certain stages of this. And I'm not saying that these stages are sequential or built upon each other. I'm just listing certain symptoms, certain signs. And I actually thought of some after, but there's just not enough time to go into those. But when you're under a spiritual attack, let's talk about these signs first, and then we'll come up with a couple of solutions at the end and pray. But here's some signs, okay? Write this down. The first one is, this is how you can know you're under spiritual attack, a loss of spiritual desire. A loss of spiritual desire. In other words, what begins to happen is you just quit easy. You want to give up. It's just like a person who's going on a diet. You look in the mirror and just say, ah, oh, what's the point? It's way too much work. When you don't see the incremental progress you're looking, you're, not, you're looking at where you are right now. You're not looking at where you could be. You're not looking at where you once were. And as a result, you just want to quit. Your perspective is glossed. And you're doing what you're doing spiritually more out of duty Versus desire or delight. When you find yourself doing what you're doing for God more out of duty uh, versus desire or delight, this is a sign that you are under spiritual attack. The Bible tells us, and you know, David talks about this in Psalms 1 and, and uh, Psalm 42, and you can look at Psalm 63. It gives all these different examples of his passion for God, his desire and his delight for God. And it tells us, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, not duty in the law of the Lord. Is everybody tracking with me? In, in, in Psalms 42, it says, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Right? I, I thirst for the waters of God. It talks about in Psalm 63. You are my hiding place. These are all things that are describing delight, not duty. Desire, not obligation. And so David had an incredible uh, desire for the sincere uh, milk of the word. He, he wanted the water of worship. He wanted to be in the presence of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But when you're under attack, you lose that desire for the word. You begin to lose your interest in spiritual things. The passion and the pursuit begin to wane, and the fire of God begins to fade in your life. That is a sign, a warning sign to you. You need to like circle, whoa, wait a second, what's going on? What has happened in my life? This does not negate the fact that we don't need discipline. We need discipline in our spiritual walk with God. We can't just like abandon the fact that sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't feel like things. It's not just saying, you know, I didn't feel like reading my Bible today. I mean, in the word discipline is the word disciple. And so, so sometimes it's just, excuse me, in the word disciple is the word discipline. You can see those two things co-mingle or, or, or mix to each other. And so discipline is a part of being a disciple. So I'm not saying desire is disconnected from being uh, disciplined, but there's a warning sign when that, when that, that, that hunger and thirst for, for God, when you just can't wait, you know, to get to church. You can't wait to worship God, and you're quick to enter in to the presence of God. You find yourself... You know, uh, you know, a tender warrior. You're doing the work, but you're at the same time, you could cry at the drop of a hat just hearing something from God or just feeling his presence. It's a warning sign. Is everybody with me? And in other words, if you, can't, if you find yourself thinking or even saying out loud, ah, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want to get legalistic, but I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. If you think, like, I'll be fine. I don't need to go to church every week. I can miss a couple weeks. I can miss two or three. It's no big deal. It's not going to affect me. Warning sign. Warning sign. Be careful. 
The Bible says forsake not the assemblies of the saints. You know what I mean? We need to meet more and more even as the day of the Lord approaches. But it can't be out of legalism. It's got to be a lifestyle thing. It's got to be a delight and a desire thing. But when we think we're not going to come under attack, when we're removing ourselves, we're in trouble. Here's the next sign that we're under spiritual attack. Number two, physical and emotional exhaustion. Now, this is one, I'm just being transparent. This is one where the devil tries to get me. This is one I'm, I'm wrestling right now. I believe we should, sap, we should rest, we should have Sabbath, not to recover from the last week, but we should go into the next week rested. Sabbath wasn't to just, oh, thank God, I can't wait to make up for all the exhaustion from the week before. No, we should actually be living out of a life of rest. And the enemy sometimes tries to flip that in my life. Well, you're, you know, you're, you're just going to work yourself into the ground. And there's something sometimes in people for different reasons, motivators and different things that affect us, you know, make us do those kind of things. That work and worth are connected for a lot of people, you know. And the enemy just tries to get us to help everybody and save everybody and fix everything and solve everything and do everything and trust everything in myself. And as a result, sometimes you're zapped, you're tapped, you're spent, you're bent. You don't know what you're going to do. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of yourself completely physically and emotionally exhausted. And, and, and the result of the byproduct is you can't even hear how often you say, I'm so tired. I'm just exhausted. Can I just tell you, I'm so sick of hearing myself say, I'm exhausted. Can we just remove that from our vocabulary? Because that is, a, that is a confession that the enemy just can't wait to pounce on. He's like, I got him. I got them now. So they just confess they're exhausted. They just, they just, it's a, it's a symptom and byproduct of the fact, a sign and, and a warning sign that I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm wearing them out. You're weary and well-doing. If you're going, oh, you know, you're dragging, you got your knuckles on the ground, you know, you don't even breathe normally. Oh, you know what I mean? Some people hum and some people huff. Remember you heard me telling me about that? And some people are like, oh. We need to be hummers, not huffers. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a hummer, not a huffer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Paul said, if you won't faint and not get weary in well-doing, you will reap a harvest. I know that scripture, but sometimes you still get tired. You still get exhausted. Physically, you can get fatigued. It reminds me of the story of Elijah. I think it's in 1 Kings 19. He, he right, listen, this, this is good stuff. He just, menaced, he just, um, had this massive showdown with the prophets of Baal. Everybody know the story right there? 450 prophets has this massive showdown, and he brings the smack down on all these prophets. Like God shows up big, man, just makes them look like idiots, right? Right after that, what happens? He's physically exhausted. He wants to tap out. Elijah wants to tap out. And here's, here's what I wrote in my notes. You are most vulnerable when you have just had a great victory or you're about to enter into a great promotion. That is when you are most vulnerable. This is when the enemy hits the hardest. The devil lurks on the front side of promotion, and he lurks on the back side of victory. He lies in the bushes. Now wait as soon as they come. Listen, every Sunday, I'm not there yet because it's Sunday night, and I still, I still stay up from Sunday morning, but this is just, I'm just giving you insight into a pastor. You know, three services. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm up early in the morning. I'm staying up late. I'm, 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 it's Saturday starts game day for me. I just kind of protect my spirit, you know, and I don't, like, run around with, with the crew, and I just kind of stay focused on the things that are important to you and to what God wants to say to you. And then Sunday, bam, it's time to hit it. Let's go. And then Sunday afternoon, if it's not a Sunday night thing or if I don't have a class that night, I feel this woo. And, then some, and, and if, it's, if there's a Sunday night thing, then Monday when I wake up, that's when I'm the most vulnerable. It's amazing. I'm vulnerable. You know what I'm vulnerable to? Insecurity, depression, temptation, you know. And so if you're not careful, right after a victory... He will come and he will attack you when you're tired and when you're exhausted on the backside and on the front side. He attacks right before something great's going to happen. How does he know that? Is he omniscient? No, he's not omniscient, but he pays attention sometimes more than you and me. He's intelligent. He's just not omniscient. 
So he's watching, 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 watching. Look at this. You know what? They're really stepping up their game. He's on fire for God. He's getting the word every single day. Oh, he's found himself a good girl who loves Jesus. Oh, you know what? Up, they're, they're just getting connected in community. Oh, now he's started to tithe. Oh, look at that. Now he's finding a place to serve. Before you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's just watching, watching, watching. You know what? Promotion's getting ready to come for that, that young whippersnapper. And I can see it's just getting ready to come, getting ready to come, getting ready to come. I'm going to wait till he's tired. I'm going to wait till he's tired. Bam! I'm going to hit him. That's what he does. Not because he's omniscient, but because he's intelligent. Are you tracking with me? So on the backside of victory, you must discipline yourself to watch closely your leisure time. Can I tell you, I need this. Just ask my wife. I need this. You need to protect your leisure time. It's there the devil lurks. He attacks right before something great, right before you're about to enter a new role of significance. I'm thinking of particular leaders right now in my church. You know, Jesus, when he was baptized... Think about the, the place he was at in his journey and his mission. Jesus gets baptized publicly before all. God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? Is that recognition or what? Is that public promotion or what, right? Right after that, it says, immediately after that, the devil tempted him. That's why if he does it with Jesus, he's going to do it with you. That's why we need to know the warning signs. Is everybody with me? So, and, and, and the enemy came and tempted immediately. Think about this. Evaluate your life. Is that happening perhaps right now? I, I have people's names popping that I've been praying for. I have, I have burden for all these different types of leaders. Get ready to hire somebody. I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, I, I just, we just hired a, a Pastor Mark, a new pastor in our church. Literally. Literally. There he is. There, he's here. Literally, there he is, Pastor Mark. Isn't that awesome? I, couldn't, I can't see anything, Mark, so I can't see anything. There, praise the God. Praise God. I knew you were in here somewhere. We hire him. Literally. I'm not kidding you. He may not put this correlation together, but literally, as soon as he gets promoted, getting ready to go on a new significant role, his, his, one of his family members passes. And his other family member, one of his parents gets sick. He's completely like, bah! Right? I, you, you know other leaders in this church, Allie Rahum. I'm just going to throw out names just because you know. She's just under attack. She just takes a significant role in kids' church, and she's stepping up. She's a major player in 508. Boom! Boom! We are all susceptible to attack right before sometimes our promotion, right before or on the backside of our victory. The enemy lurks, and we need to be alert. And I could go through. You can put yourself in this story. You know somebody else that you can put in this story. The point is we need to pay attention. Back to Elijah. So physically, Elijah was exhausted, and God sends an angel to Elijah while he's asleep. What, is the, what, is, what does the angel bring to him? He wakes him up, and he says, arise, and, and because I, I want you to eat. I prepared a meal for you. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? An angel, your first angel, some of you guys would like this. Like your first angelic appearance, he brings you a meal. It's like, yeah, I'm going to really like heaven. <laughs> We're going to be around a lot of angels. Maybe they'll just keep bringing me food all the time. And I'm going to be amazing. You know, how many know that wasn't like Chick-fil-A? Okay, that meal, everybody. An angel heavenly cooked meal to Elijah comes, right? And uh, apparently Elijah was not eating well. He was not taking care of his body. God sends an angel and brings him a meal because he clearly wasn't taking care of himself. He was physically exhausted. He wasn't taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. He was not eating, perhaps. And so the angel doesn't come and say, rise, go to this leadership conference. Arise from thy sleep and go to a small group. Arise from thy sleep and listen to 79 CDs by John Bevere. He says, eat this meal. Isn't that interesting, everybody? Are you tracking with me? I understand. In other words, I think the angel is saying, I understand something that you don't grasp, that you are a physical being carrying a spiritual message to a destination. You are a, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. But if I, can, if I can get you physically exhausted, I can touch your spirit. And stop you from impede you from, call, from the call of God in your life and affect you adversely. And so I've cooked something healthy and nutritious for you. Get up and eat it. And amazingly, he eats it and he goes back to sleep. Heavenly food coma. Hashtag heavenly food coma. <laughs> He's just out. How do you fall asleep after an angelic visitation? That must have been some kind of meal. Rich food. Another way the enemy gets us down is just, this is part of the same one, is we eat crazy too. Like we don't eat good. 
Don't, don't worry, I'm not going to do a big because I'm, I'm, I just had flourless chocolate cake for, for, for lunch today, so don't feel like I'm judging anybody, okay? There's no judgment here, all right? Just had to get that off my chest. I feel sinful. It was so rich. It was so rich. But the, the, the point is, sometimes we just go too far with it, and we're, we're you know, garbage in, garbage out. We're just fueling our body the wrong, the wrong way, and it's not about getting legalistic, but we can't let those kind of things, the, the starches and the carbohydrates and the greasy foods and the sugars and all those kind of things get out of control. You know, I, and, and man tries to minimize those things like it's not a big deal, like it's not, it's like it's not spiritual or something. Turn your name and say, that's spiritual to eat well, okay? It's spiritual to eat well. I read somewhere that a muffin, a muffin for breakfast is so that man could have an excuse to eat cake for breakfast. A muffin is just cake disguised, you know, for a breakfast meal. That's all it is. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, you guys tracking with this? So what you do with your body affects your spirit. Number three, lack attack, okay? Here's another warning sign is a lack attack. You're under a spiritual attack when your resources start drying up. It, it just seems like all at once. I'm not, no, I'm, not, I'm not blaming lack on demons or demonic activity exclusively. In other words, you can't rebuke those bills in your life. You have to pay them. <laughs> I rebuke this bill in Jesus. Get the head, Satan. <laughs> you, can't, no, you can't write checks and pray God bounces them so they don't, you know, backs them so they don't bounce. God, back this check supernaturally in Jesus' name so it doesn't bounce, okay? All right? That's not faith. That's a felony, okay? That's wrong. All right? But sometimes we have this spiritual lack attack. It's like, it's like it does, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a tsunami. Have you ever had these times? My wife and I have had these times where it seems like everything's coming at us all at once. All, just everything seems to be breaking down. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Your car breaks down. Your kids' cars break down. The refrigerator breaks down. The dishwasher breaks down. Ladies, your hair dryer breaks down. Come on, ladies. You're feeling that. It's like, oh, now I know it's the devil. My curling iron died. Your husband breaks down. Okay? Everything's breaking down. That's the devil's plan. Because why? The enemy wants you to put your eyes on money, not on trusting God. He wants you to become, listen to this. He wants you to become uh, more and so when you have your eyes on money, then you become more opportunity-oriented than trust God faith-oriented. See, because your eyes are on money and everything's coming at you, you're like, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. Who's, this. who's on the seat of uh, who's on the throne in that situation? Me and not God. So now you're looking for opportunities to fix it, make it go away. Now you're completely distracted and your relationship with God begins to wane in the process. And it can be a massive distraction to kill your attraction to God. Here's the fourth thing. So you got lack attack, you got prayer attack. A prayer attack. Now, Matthew 26, 41, Pastor Deej was teaching on this not too long ago. I talked about this in a prayer series earlier in the year. But Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to pray with me for an hour. And, and, and then they fall asleep. Right? So, and, and Jesus tells them before that, you know, the, en the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. He's telling them, he's, he's warning them. You need to pray. And so in verse 41, it says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The New Living says, Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body can be weak. So prayer is about helping you uh, not enter into temptation. Prayer, sometimes people think prayer is a gift. It's not a gift. It's a discipline. You just do it. You just need to do it. You can't, oh, you know, they have the gift of prayer. No, no, you all need to pray. Everybody needs to pray. Can I have an amen out there? You just got to do it sometimes. But, but if you don't pray, it's, it's, it seems like, but the problem is sometimes when you get to that place of prayer, doesn't it seem like you just get attacked when you're ready to pray? Yes. Like your alarm doesn't go off. The one, I, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go to prayer. Wednesday morning, maybe that's 630. Boom, your alarm doesn't go off. The power goes off in the middle of the night. Has anybody ever had that kind of stuff happen? You know? Or, you know, you, you get ready. I'm gonna, I got some quiet time at home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on the you know, front porch, and I'm just going just gonna to sit there. Nobody's going to be home, and I'm just going to pray. And you go to the front porch, you open the door, two Jehovah Witnesses show up, and they want to witness to you. <laughs> my God, my God, what on earth is this? You get ready. You set some time, some time aside to pray, you know, and I don't know. You go in your living room, and the cat's eating the, the goldfish, and then the dog's eating the cat. I mean, it's just everything's going bad. 
right about the time. That's a prayer attack, okay? Is everybody tracking with me? Some distraction. The phone's levitating. You know, the kid's crying. You're just getting ready to pray, and the kid throws up, and it's just all this kind of stuff happens. It's a prayer attack. That's not crazy. It's a prayer attack, and the enemy knows that if you pray, you're not going to fall into temptation. Remember in Gethsemane when the, 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 the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and, and, and Peter comes out, and he slices the ear off one of those soldiers. Remember that? I think that's because he wasn't praying. He was asleep. And so when that happened, he walked in the flesh and not in the spirit. And so he was trying to solve the problem in his own strength, in his own ability by the flesh. But if he'd been praying, he wouldn't have been led into temptation. We're the same way. A lot of times we're trying to do something in our own strength. And if we're not praying and getting through to God, we are susceptible to temptation. Here's the next thing. Feeling, you guys getting something out of this? I'm telling you, this is so good. I'm telling you, this will help us all so much. Me, big time. Number five, feeling overwhelmed. Feeling overwhelmed. 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 We're supposed to be overcomers, not overwhelmed. Right? So the word circumstance, you guys guys know that word. We use that word all the time. We're not supposed to be under our circumstances. We say the enemy's under my feet. No, he's not. (laughs) You're under. You're under him a lot of times circumstances, two words in that word circumstance. There's there's the word circle and then stand. So you are standing encircled by your issues. That's what it means to be overwhelmed. Surrounded on every side by issues. And you feel like it's surrounding you. You're encircled by your issues. And what happens in these situations, if you've ever felt like that, is that um, you just continue, you're just like, you're just like, what's the use? I can't get out. I'm almost like suffocated. What happens during this time when you feel surrounded and encircled by all these issues, here's what happens. Old iniquities come back. Old iniquities begin to resurface in your life that you struggled with. By the way, sin and iniquity are different. Sin is a kind of a one-time offense. Iniquities are ongoing patterns of sin. And so you have these old habits when you are surrounded by circumstances and fearing overwhelmed. And the enemy convinces you that the only way to feel better about your circumstances is to do something that makes you feel better. But it doesn't make you feel better. It's only temporary. And in fact, it destroys you in the process. And it builds walls up around you. So these old iniquities resurface, stuff that you had victory over years and years ago. And you start having these old thoughts, these old habits. You start picking up the cigarettes again. You start drinking one too many beers. You think, I can handle it. You can't handle it. You start having these conversations of justification in your mind and in your head. You're regurgitating them amongst yourself and you're losing every single time because you're not talking to somebody else. You're just talking to yourself. And patterns and pornography, and all kinds of sinful things, they all surface when you feel overwhelmed. That is a sign, a warning sign, that you are under attack. You need to be careful. Matthew 12, 25 says this. Matthew 12, 25 says, When an unclean spirit leaves, then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Be careful. That is how it would be for a wicked generation. The enemy, listen, listen, write this down. This is so good. This is so good. The enemy will always attack at the last place he was most successful. The enemy will always attack at the last place he was most successful. Listen, he's not even creative. He's not like, oh, I'm going to do something totally different to bring Derek down. Nope. We don't have to be super intelligent. We just have to be alert. We have to put up safeguards, and we have to be wise as serpents, but we don't have to be brilliant to figure out what he's up to. He's going to go back to those same old iniquities. When you feel overwhelmed. Is everybody tracking with me? The enemy will always attack the last place he was most successful. So those old iniquities are just a sign that the enemy sees and thinks that you are now weak in that area. I sense vulnerability. I see a crack in the fortress of solitude. I see a place where I can get in through the window and I'm going to get in. And so if the devil can get a foothold, he can begin to get a stronghold. That's what he does. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 27, keep your foot from evil. Don't give the devil a foothold. Because what happens is when you get, this is another nugget. I hope this makes sense. 
Help me say this. When you feel surrounded encircled by your issues and your circumstances, like I said, then the enemy begins to attack us with our old iniquities and old habits, right? Then we fall into those old iniquities and habits. You know what happens? We begin to get discouraged because he takes us back. We think we've gone all the way back to zero. This, this, this is the lie. My dad taught me this analogy. He just walked and made me think of it. But basically, sometimes when we sin, we think we've lost our salvation or we're all the way back to the beginning again. No, you got a flat tire. You just need to change the tire. You were driving from Boston all the way to Chicago, but you got a flat tire in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Because you sin and you got a flat tire, it doesn't mean you're all the way back in Boston. It means you just got to change the tire in Scranton and keep moving on. But the enemy convinces you you're all the way back in Boston. You're not in Boston. You just need to repent and get right. But when you don't see it right and you don't repent right away, what happens is you get discouraged. Discouraged. And discouragement is the soul sin grows in. Discouragement is the soul that sin grows in. When you get discouraged, oh, then it just begins to cultivate and foster sin. Here's the sixth thing. The last one I have, the last warning I have, then we're going to get to solutions. The last thing is a warning sign is pulling away from godly relationships. Pulling away. This is a sign. You know people right now. You may be one of those people right now. You might be listening right now. Somebody's going to get the CD and you need to heed the voice of the Lord. You need to listen, listen, listen. If you are pulling away from godly relationships, that is a warning sign that you are under attack and vulnerable. What do you mean? Well, if you're avoiding people who will tell you the truth. My daddy used to say, love will tell you your breath stinks. I like to say it this way. You need a Tic Tac, bro. Don't say that to your neighbor right now. They'll get the wrong idea. But you just... just just jot that down. It's a good line, okay? But this is a sign. If you don't have somebody in your life that can speak into your life, or if you have somebody in your life that can speak into your life, but you're avoiding them, that's a sign you're under attack. You're living under perpetual attack if you don't have that kind of... You are perpetually vulnerable if you don't have somebody that can stick their finger in your eye and say, hey, 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 you got a blind spot. You're missing something right there. Hey, there's a, there's, there's a little snooggy hanging from the end of your nose. You need to deal with that. If you don't have somebody that tells you that your fly's down, you got problems. People that just let you go on like that, like, what kind of friend is that? But you need to also be somebody that invites and gives permission to those kind of people in your life, amen? So when you feel more, listen, here's another sign of this same principle. When you feel that you have more in common with people outside the body than, than, than inside the body of Christ, that's a sign. Mmm. We are to be a friend with sinners. Absolutely. Jesus came as a doctor for the sick, right? Absolutely. But there's something wrong with being comfortable with it there's something wrong with being comfortable comfort with with them is the priority not it's not it's not the priority sharing christ with them is the priority being an influence more an influence on them is the priority and if you're not more an influence on them than they are on you then it's a warning sign warning warning and some of you you know this to be true you've had and if you're listening again somebody maybe listen i just got this feeling this is going to go beyond the four walls of this room listen this you you know there was a time in your life you were on fire you were crazy on fire for god I've seen, some, I've seen some people in our body, maybe some people in this room, I don't have names because I can't see anybody because I'm blind right now, but I've, I've seen, what's that? Oh, hey, there we go, stink bug, stink bug. Is it distracting everybody? Sorry, it doesn't bother me. So, but you know people that were on fire for God. Anybody know you know people that were on fire for God and then something happened, something waned? I, I just, I, I, this is something through a pastor's lens. You see people are on fire for God and, and sometimes they're a little crazy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like you see him at Shaw's or Whole Foods, whole paycheck, and you see him when you're in the grocery store, like, I want to avoid them. You know what I mean? They're like crazy. Like, and then they see you and they're like, oh, glory to God, Pastor D. Woo, Jesus. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and then months later, they're not so on fire for God. And you go into the grocery store and they're hiding behind the cereal. And you see them. I don't know what it is, but I somehow magnetize these. Sometimes I go into the grocery store, and I'm, like, looking for ex-members. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are they, Lord? Come on, show me. Like, Who's falling away from God? Come on, somebody. I always start in the wine section. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
But sometimes it's I was went to the Chick-fil-A in Natick recently, and I was going through the, I can't remember if one of my kids, one of my kids, yeah, Morgan was with me, and I was going through the Chick-fil-A line in Natick. Got a new Chick-fil-A where we're going to believe the owner's going to come to Jesus and come to connect here, okay? So he's already said he's going to come. Isn't that exciting? We'll have two Chick-fil-A people. We're taking over Chick-fil-A. Anyway, I remember going through the line. We've got several of our Connect members that, that work there. I didn't know one of these girls, and so I come through, I'm coming through this. I'm just trying. I'm getting off a plane. I just want something to eat, and I come up the side, and all of a sudden, I look at this girl, and she goes, hey, everybody, it's Pastor D. <laughs> oh, and everybody's like looking at like, who's Pastor D? <laughs> crazy Christians, crazy Christians, okay? Anyway, so listen, when you begin to find enjoyment, here's another thing. When you begin to find too much enjoyment in carnal things, that's a sign. That's why you need healthy relationships. It's a sign of spiritual attack. Hobbies are okay. Having fun is okay. But, and, and I'm not saying that God wants you to just be church, church, church. I'm not saying that. God doesn't want you to be a church furniture. <laughs> this, is a, this, is, this is an organism, not, you know, not just a building, right? But don't let it get out of hand, having fun and doing it. God's okay with those kind of things, but don't run from God. Running to this is what God wants for us. So why, does, why do we do that? Why do these things happen in our life? I was thinking about the motivation. Why do we get ourselves in a pickle relationally? Because sometimes we want to feel something. We're looking for that, you know, you, you know, like the old school song, I've lost that love and feeling. You know what I mean? And so you, you want to feel alive again. And you used to feel that life in the Holy Spirit. And you used to feel that life in the presence of God. And you used to feel that life in your devotional life. But, but now that has waned. Now that fire, you know, has, has dimmed in your, particular, in your life and in your situation. And so carnality always tries to come in and replace the original life source. It's a perversion of the original life source, which is the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me? And Jesus was trying to tell the woman at the well in John chapter 4, you're not going to quench that thirst the way you're trying to quench that thirst. Only I can quench that thirst. Only relationship. We need to see these signs that are happening. Otherwise, you'll find yourself going to these old patterns, not just these old iniquities. You'll find yourself going to these old songs. You know what I mean? Like these old, I, I always go to me, shake, 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 shake your booty. You know, I mean, and you find yourself, oh, remember when I, when I was young and I, and I liked those things. And it was so fun and we used to cut up the rug. and before It's fine for a little while, but before you know it, that life in that is replacing life in God. And that's where you get in trouble and it becomes a mixture. And it's that mixture that distorts the pure power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And sometimes we look back. At our old life, and we look back when we're, when we're off in our relationship with God, we look back at our old life through distraction and through distortion. We begin to see our old life, and we say, we think, those were the good old days. At least I had friends. That's, what, that's the kind of stuff people say. At least I had friends. Are you serious? You call those friends? Yeah, we used to have a great time. Doing what? Smoking pot. We had, you had to take a collection just to buy a dime bag. That's how bad it was for you back then. <laughs> These people wouldn't even show up at your gravesite if you overdosed. You call those friends. Oh, it was the good old days. The good See, it's distortion and distraction as we look back and we think those were the good old days. Those were great friends. You have, my friend, selective memory because the enemy has got a hold of you. Mmm. Come on, everybody. You know what I'm talking about? Think about this. Come on, everybody. Jesus found you. Jesus saved you. Jesus redeemed you from the curse and from sin. Jesus changed you. Come on, somebody. It changed your eternal destiny, your trajectory forever. You found friends that told you straight and gave to you what you needed, not what you always wanted, everybody. Man. Genesis and Franklin would say, time for a praise break right now. Let's do that. Let's just give God a big praise right now for his word. Come on, God. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you changed us. We thank you that you changed us from the inside out. Thank you for putting godly friends in our life. Thank you for giving us a church, Lord God, that preaches the word unashamedly. Uh, the incorruptible truths of God. I want you to stand to your feet and keep praising God. I want you to begin to declare how good God is and what he's done in your life. Come on, just begin to thank him. Thank you for church. Thank you for the children of God. Thank you for the gifts that he's given you. Thank you that he always meets your needs. Thank you that he's faithful, even when you're unfaithful. Thank you that God, his word is true, his promises we can stand on. We give you praise, God. We thank you, God. Jesus is the best thing 
is the best thing that ever happened to me. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. He's the best thing that ever happened to you. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And he's the best thing that ever happened to you. Amen? All right, sit down, sit down, sit down. Praise God. So what do you do? How do you fix it when you're under spiritual attack? you got to have, first of all, I think an attitude of gratitude. But let me give you this one, this huge thing. I'm only going to do two. Maybe next time I'll speak, I'll speak on a few more of these. But this is huge. Let this sink in. Let it encourage you. What do you do when you're under spiritual attack? Remember, you have been made to outlast the storm. That's point number one. You have been made to outlast the storm. The worship team can come up now. Just... Uh, You've been made to outlast the storm. What do you mean? Matthew 7 talks about two builders. There's the foolish builder and there's the wise builder, okay? You guys know this. There's one house that was built on sand. There's one house that was built on stone. And when the storm came, one of the houses fell and one of the houses stood strong. Amen? Matthew 7, 24 talks about this. It says, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Everybody say, it did not fall. So did storms come? Did storms come, yes or no? Were there winds? Were there seas? Were Were there problems? Were there issues? Yes, but it did not fall. It did not fall. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Listen, if, you're, if, if your life and foundation are built on Jesus Christ, you need to know that he built you to outlast, outwit, outperform any trial, any circumstance, any situation you face. I don't care what it is in this life. You have been built if you are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you called upon the name of the Lord, your faith is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And as a result, according to his word, you can outlast anything that you're facing in your life. You can outwit it. You can outperform it. You can. They, these storms will come, but you will overcome. The storms will come, but you will overcome. They come, but you will outlast them. Man, I'm feeling happy right now. I didn't feel so happy before I came to church, but I'm feeling happy right now. I really am. I don't care what the enemy's bringing against you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says God will raise up a standard. You were built for this. And I prophesy over you. You you will face storms, but they will end. You will face seas that will rise, but they will fall. You will face winds, they will blow, but you will still remain and you will still stand. You will stand because you were made for this as a Christ follower. God knew you'd be going through this tack before you ever got into it. And he puts you on a foundation to support you through all of these attacks. He promised there would be attacks and trials. He promised that. Jesus overcame the world and so can you. Here's the second point. This is huge. This is my last one. Don't forsake the power of partnership. Don't forsake the power of partnership. In just a minute, we're going to have a group exercise group exercise. But if there's one thing I'm learning and and trying to learn more is that there is this tendency in me and there's this tendency in you, this default for people to try to do things alone and by themselves. This quote, I got this. We don't say it, but we think it and we certainly behave like we got this. This is a New England spirit in particular. It is a self-reliant, self-sufficient, foolish, foolish, foolish behavior. I was talking to a young minister that my son was connecting me with, and I was just grieved for him because he'd been hurt so bad by the church, yet he's so gifted and so called. And I could see, like, the script playing out. I could just see, like, two, three, four, five years at best, and he's going to hit a wall because he's got nobody. He's got nobody. He's got no safety net, no crash pad, no people in his life that he can turn to in a dark moment when the warning signs and the dashboard is screaming at his life, when all those things are there. But God, you know, is there for him. Even though he got burned, he determined to be and do life alone. I remember my son telling me at the gym recently, he said, to Dad, I can't imagine if I didn't have the supportive relationships I have in my life, where would I be? <laughs> where would I be? 
I'm just telling you, you are vulnerable if you don't have the power of partnership. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. The Bible says if two shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done. The Bible says that one can chase a thousand, two, ten thousand, right? Three, what, a hundred thousand, four, a million devils. That means that, that there's power in partnership and alignment. And as I close, I was just thinking about... Um, this do life alone and this do life with other people and, and I don't know if these pictures came up but I in just a second I want to show you uh, the, this picture of a redwood but I was studying these two types of trees there's the palm tree and the redwood everybody's seen a palm tree right well I didn't know about the palm tree but it makes sense I just forgot it or just didn't know but uh, a palm tree you know can survive incredible storms like unbelievable and almost as high as the tree, a tree could go 30 feet high, and it could have roots almost 30 feet deep. In fact, some palm trees, there's been some scientists that have found palm trees that have roots that go a mile deep. Is that incredible? And so they can bend and just survive all kinds of storms. But even that kind of a tree becomes vulnerable. The strongest type of trees, and actually as a result, the largest trees are the redwoods. So a palm tree can grow 30 feet, but a redwood could grow 300 feet straight up in the air. But listen to this. Its roots are only three feet deep. And I thought about that. I was like, how could roots from such a tree, you know, uh, be so shallow and yet something be so strong and so invincible and so, like, impenetrable as it was? And the answer is in the root system itself. The root system really mimics for us the power of partnership and relationships. The secret is the redwood tree roots spread out and find the roots of other trees, other redwoods, and then they intertwine and begin to link up and become synergistic with one another. I think this picture kind of demonstrates that for you. So they can grow 300 feet high, but they're all connected so that when the storms come, when the seas come, when the winds begin to blow, you're not going up against one tree, you're going up against a forest. I saw this illustration, uh, Jenison Franklin was sharing this illustration, and I was like, wow, that is so powerful. You can go up against one and knock it out, but you cannot go up against a forest. So there's going to be problems, and there's going to be seas, and there's going to be tumult. There's going to be trials and difficulties in our life. But you and I need to be a part of a forest. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. If you know that you're under attack in some way, shape, or form, and even if you're not to support us, I want you to come around the altar here for a second. And I want you to intertwine. I want you to kind of create hooks and just kind of not grab hands, but I want you to hook yourself up with each other. I know it's a, little, it's a little different, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. And Work with me. This is going to be something powerful in your life and in your ministry. Amen. Prayer team, why don't you try to get up in front of them, okay? You're a little late on the draw. That's my fault. So you're going to intertwine. You're going to link up. Everybody link up. I know somehow, some way, I want every tree linked up in this forest, okay, everybody? Listen, I want, to, I want to speak something to somebody. And, and, and my prayer team, be sensitive to this. There may be somebody who feels like that. Have you ever, maybe you're willing to say it's you. Or maybe you stand in proxy for somebody else. <clears throat> maybe in your faith, you don't feel dead. You don't feel like you're dead, but you're almost dead. You feel like just things have died. There's something so cool about this principle. It's so cool. It's like... Scientists have found redwood trees that were dead or almost dead that were still standing for many, many years because the other trees wouldn't let them fall. <sighs> I think God. He works through people. And he wants us to see as a body I think he looks down and he just says, even if there's just a little bit of life left in her, even if there's just a little bit of life left in him, if my people would link up, they would never fall. We won't let you fall. And maybe you need to kind of get a holy sway during worship as we begin to sing these next couple songs. 
And as you begin to worship, I want you to just begin to declare over your brother and sister, not yourself, over your brother and sister, I will not let you go. I will not let you fall. I will not let you die. There's still life in you. God, are you feeling what I'm feeling? There's still, there's still life in you. I'm going to hold you up. You won't fall because you're connected to me and I'm connected to you. And, and, but I feel dead, but I got you. And when you feel dead, you've got me. When I don't feel like I can pray, I'm going to pray for you. When I don't know what to say, I got something to say. When I don't have a promise that I can declare, oh, my brother, my sister has a promise for me. And they speak it out because we are linked. We are intertwined. We are one. This is the power of community and church and partnership. And I speak beyond these four walls and through this group in Jesus' name that we would be a church that is planted. Come on, church, agree with me. That is rooted in relationship. We find the secret of a root system, a secret in the root system that we are nourished and nourishing one another. We will no longer be tumbleweeds, fruitless and rootless, just wandering around in the wind. No more tumbleweeds in the church. In no more tumbleweeds in Connect Community Church. We will grab these trees and we will pull them in. And we don't have to have roots that go deep by ourselves. We don't have to have it all figured out by ourselves. You don't have to be so strong all by yourself. You just have to get connected. You're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're putting too much burden on yourself. You just need to find the power of partnership and understand that you were made for this because the foundation is Christ. You will go through something, but you do not have to go through it alone. Tell the person next to you, I'm not going to let you go. Come on, tell them, I'm not going to let you go. Come on, tell them. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I'm not going to let you go. Now, as, we, as, we, as the worship team leads this next song, I, I'm just going to speak. I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you guys to just, just begin to, maybe, like I said, you might just sway back and forth, and you're just declaring that connection, and you're agreeing with God's word. And you're letting that root system grow, that relationship grow. It starts supernatural. It does. It's intentional, leads to supernatural. The wrong relationships happen accidentally. The right relationships happen supernaturally. For supernatural relationships to happen, you must be intentional in those relationships. We are taking the moments and the time that we have been given right now to be intentional in being in the root system of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would see this people and you see this, oh God, I believe it's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. It's symbolic. It goes beyond the 7,500 people in this room. It goes, I believe this will permeate like an anointing our entire church. I pray that we be carriers, Lord Jesus, of this word and this anointing. That we see the warning signs. We recognize them, oh God, and we stop them in their tracks. We put a stop payment to the enemy's checks. They will bounce. They will bounce on out of here. And I pray in Jesus' name that we see the truth behind every storm and every situation, every problem and every attack, that we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and we are strong when we are rooted in relationship with each other. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Let's worship God. Let's worship God.